Thank you everyone for joining us today. I am Alicia Swami. I'm here with Keely Severson and Eric Johnson, and we are exposing mold. Um, what are we talking about today? We're connecting. What are we, what are we going to say? So today Eric is going to explain about CIRS and how the definition of CIRS, the illness that it originally was meant to represent and what it evolved into and what it means currently. Eric, okay. take it away. Well, Dr. Shoemaker's biotoxin illness started out with um, a toxic effect on the Pocomoke River um, where an outbreak of fisteria was causing fish kills, illness in fishermen, what he calls watermen, um, that was vaguely similar to something that was seen in sick buildings. But the original biotoxin illness concept was due to this locations effect of people getting sick from fisteria right on the river. And some people would move away because they were aware that the location was somehow connected to their disease and they could get relief by doing so. Well, if you change the, the term or change the diagnosis from sick next to a river to sick from buildings, then you lose the connection that allows you to intervene and go, well, it's from the river. So when Dr. Shoemaker first put together, assembled his chronic inflammatory response syndrome concept, he was primarily concerned with toxic mold. He uh, predicated his SIRS concept on the idea that the ionophore toxins from fisteria and these sit buildings, the toxic mold, and possibly some other things, shared a commonality that had a final common pathway. Well, this all sounds very well and good until you start to view SIRS as an entity that is the end result of anything and everything because that deprives you of the direct cause-effect relationship that would allow you to intervene in avoiding getting it again or catching it in the first place. If you call your illness sick building syndrome, this is very clear because you know it's connected to a building and you, if you avoid buildings that are making people sick, you're not likely to get sick building syndrome. But now that SIRS has become the end result of actinomycetes, of toxic mold, of so many different factors, you no longer have that information that allows you to make judgments about what to do to address your illness and how to best deal with this in the future. And it also prevents other doctors from understanding just exactly what you're trying to deal with here. So for that reason, I prefer the original terms, sick building syndrome, building-related illness, and mold illness. If I came into contact with stachybotrys that made me sick, mold illness is a perfectly good, acceptable term. And since it's the original term, I see no reason to change it. Do you think mold illness or sick building syndrome depend on genetic susceptibility? Well, the clusters clearly indicate that it does not. I mean, just proximity to stachybotrys was making pretty much everybody who came into contact with this particular mold sick. 
So what are the chances that uh, genetic susceptibility, a rare predisposition that was so completely unknown 25 years ago that people didn't even report this kind of thing, all suddenly congregate in the same hospital, the same school, the same room. The chances against that are astronomical. So I never paid any attention to this genetic susceptibility theory because it doesn't fit the facts. It's statistically unlikely. And then the problem of the sick pets. If the pets get sick and they don't even have human leukocyte antigens, that shows that the mold doesn't care who your parents are and it doesn't even care what species you are. Do you think the diagnosis of CIRS does anything to keep patients from understanding the way that their environment is making them ill? In the early days, when it was still an open question, and the idea of SIRS was that it would lead to making these kind of connections, then it was an acceptable term. Just like chronic fatigue syndrome was an acceptable term. As long as the willingness to go back to the beginning and establish these relationships still exists, then any term works. But now that SIRS has become a euphemism for anything and everything, the final common pathway, the end result of just about anything, it, I don't find it useful at all. Do you think the diagnostic term CIRS provides any information for patients to understand and navigate contamination and hypersensitivity issues? Well, that depends on the doctor and it depends upon the patient. Because if the, if the willingness to learn, to look into the history is there, then they can tease out these relationships on their own. But the way doctors throw out these terms as if this is a diagnosis and this is what you're stuck with, and there's no follow-up, then no, it actually becomes a hindrance to ever figuring anything out. What do you think of doctors who recommend air purifiers for these patients? not necessarily of the doctors themselves, but of an air purifier as a remedy to improve health in these situations? Well, I think that's extremely misleading and probably very harmful. When I first observed the uh, toxic mold effect from Stachybotrys, it was very sticky and it had a high potential for contamination. It was getting on objects and these objects could go with me and make me sick. And since it was stuck to these objects, an air purifier would do absolutely nothing for me except lull me into a false sense of security that I was dealing with the problem when actually it doesn't address it at all. What advice would you give to anyone who is looking for a diagnosis and it wants to know if their illness is mold illness or CIRS? How would you, how would you guide them to differentiate? At this point, um, there's so much confusion out there that I really can't give any guidance in this. About the best I can advise is trust your body, rely on your own senses. If a place is making you sick, believe it. If an object from a certain location is making you sick, believe that rather than what a doctor's test tells you. 
So trust your own body more than any existing test or what a doctor says. Absolutely. By far, people who do this get infinitely better results than those who accept a vague diagnosis and don't try to establish these connections. This is what Alicia refers to when she says, become your own mold detector. And this is why our private subscription support group was created so that we could walk people through this process because we realize people don't understand this and a lot of care providers don't. That's why we've created that as a resource. Eric, is there anything else we should cover about CIRS? No, I think that's good for today. Cool. We already covered the mold is everywhere thing, right, in the last conversation. I'm sorry, my speakers are just, I'm treading water trying to understand what you guys were saying. <laughs> yeah, uh, as far as the mold is everywhere concept, if you understand the principle of contaminated objects, and you know that people are getting better by avoiding these objects, the whole mold is everywhere theory falls apart. Sometimes I, I feel like people use it as like a cop-out excuse not to take control of their life and to remain sick and remain mad at the world. I really am noticing, and again, I don't want to see anyone with this illness, but if you want to get well, you have to take charge of what's going on and you really have to listen to yourself if you want to get well or else you're going to spend your life in misery and we've seen it. Time and time again, Eric has seen it time and time again. I'm not trying to be combative. I just, I want to see people well, but the work that it takes is very meticulous. And it's really about honing in on your own senses and your own intuition and your body and really using that as your ultimate tool and not having to rely on doctors and tests and air purifiers and thinking that you need to live in a, in a metal box because that's not correct. You don't have to do that. You can live a, a normal life. You just have to be extremely cautious with how you live and where you go. And again, as Keely had said with her beautiful glasses on, <laughs> we are here to teach you those steps. Eric has saved my life. Eric has saved Keely's life just by providing this specific type of information for those who are extremely hypersensitive and taught us how to listen to our own bodies and to run our own experiments. It's really about trial and error at the end of the day. You're not going to be 100%, but the better that you practice, the better you are going to be living your life and the less sick you are going to be in the end. And I think that's important, right? Quality of life is number one for everyone. There is one point I'd like to make. There are unscrupulous indoor environmental professionals, deniers, and um, people who have a vested interest in creating confusion that enter these groups and say mold is everywhere, stachybotrys is just one of many molds, that uh, there's no point in doing mold avoidance because since you're going to run into more of it anyway, you just, there's, there's no reason to do anything other than engage their services and do their therapies and their remediation. And they are in these groups and they are deliberately creating this doubt in order to pursue their own agenda and enhance the, their marketability. 
I just want to say that I've seen this firsthand and I've experienced this firsthand and these people are really awful because part of what a hypersensitive reaction to contamination looks like is anxiety in a little bit of personality change and and these people mock this symptom as mental health and i just think that that's really harmful for the mold injured population we cannot be psychologized we really have to fight to be heard that these are our reactions to contamination and when these professionals in remediation or air quality mock us as having mental health problems it shows that they either are absolutely refusing to understand what we experience or they do know and they're making light of it and trying to use it against us in a harmful discriminatory manner. They are among us. We have been infiltrated and these people are attempting to create doubt and confusion. I think the sooner that you understand this and the sooner you're able to identify these people the better you will be because you will not be reeled into their lies and their misconceptions and their judgments um you know we we have to fight this daily um and we don't fight that fight anymore because whoever we find in our groups we kick them out right away we don't we're not going to deal with these people casting doubt or making people feel like they're crazy that's just Honestly, that it's murderous at the end of the day. And Eric has seen these people actually lead patients to their deaths. Um, you know, I hate to be extremely blunt about it, but really that's the reality of it. And so these people may seem like they're helpful, but they're not. Uh, they're wolves in sheep's clothing, I'd like to say. I think we can wrap up here, you guys, you think? Yep. Well, thank you everyone for joining us today. Another interesting conversation as usual. We are, uh, you know, just telling the truth. We tell it like it is. And, you know, those who are willing to do the work and who really want help are here for you. We will give you all the information that you need, all the guidance. We are open books and we really just want to help as many people as we can from this wretched illness and really help people if anything, steer them in the right direction. Um, and, that, and that's what's most important for us. So thank you again. Please like, share, comment on our content. Check us out on all podcasting um, platforms. And also go ahead and donate to our GoFundMe and Patreon pages to keep this podcast rolling. If you're interested in becoming part of our group, uh, where we teach you how to navigate your hypersensitivities to get you back on the power curve, please check that out as well. And thank you again. We'll see you next time.